Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Yips. Yips is the nothing personal word of the day for October 14th, 2020. The yips. I never learned that word till I got into baseball. I'd heard about it with some players on the Yankees. I think it was Steve Sachs back in the day. Yips are when a professional baseball player all of a sudden can't do that which he was able to do that enabled him to become a professional baseball player. So let's take a pitcher, for example. When a pitcher can no longer throw a strike or even throw the ball even close to the catcher behind the plate, and it happens again and again, it happened to Rick Ankeel of the St. Louis Cardinals. He got the yips. All of a sudden, he turned into an outfielder. He was no longer a pitcher. Jose Altuve. The diminutive Jose Altuve. I say that word because it's not pejorative because I'm diminutive too. He made exactly zero errors during the regular season. In the last 48 hours, he has made three errors in the league championship series. All of them throwing errors, two to first base, one to second base. And there is talk now that Altuve has the yips. And we've heard about it maybe this season Remember Daniel Bard, that amazing pitcher who was out of baseball forever and came back with the Rockies this year, even got a save, and he was suffering from the yips. The pitcher for the Braves, pitching right now in the league championship series, Matzik, had to go to independent ball, was the number nine pick in the country. He got the yips. Done. He found a way back. So what's happening right now in Houston in that clubhouse? Well, as you know, last night, the Houston Astros came back to lose. They were up one nothing on an Altuve home run. Altuve's offense doesn't have the yips. He's actually the only one on that team who's hitting right now. They're down three games to zero to the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, they can still win in seven and make our pick and wait to see work, but it's not going to happen. There's been one team in history to come back from a 3-0 deficit, and that was the 2004 Boston Braves. Do you remember when Dave Roberts stole that base against Mariano Rivera? Dave Roberts, as in the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers? I said the Boston Braves, Coca. Hey, it's October 14th. Why should this day be different than any other day? I don't know why I, it's the Boston Red Sox who came back to beat the New York Yankees, of course, in 2004. When you're down 3 nothing, it's over. It's done. The Houston Astros are not going to be in the World Series the Tampa Bay Rays are. But when you're down 3 nothing, you go into that clubhouse and you go see the manager. You're frustrated with Dusty Baker just because when you're the president of a team down 3 nothing, you're frustrated with everyone. You're frustrated with the lack of hitting. You're frustrated that you're hitting the ball hard, but it's not finding any holes. You're just getting unlucky. 
You're frustrated with the hit by pitches last night that had the game get away from them. Bases loaded hit by pitches used to drive me insane. Bases loaded walks and bases loaded hit by pitches bothered me more than bases loaded grand slams. That's redundant. I would rather a pitcher give up a home run with the bases loaded than walk a guy and give up one run. If it's Barry Bonds, that may be a different story, but in general, that's my view. So you go into the clubhouse and you start with the following. You make it very clear to the players that the series is not over. We're not down three games. We need to win tomorrow. That's all we're really focused on. Just win game four. And it sounds like something you've heard before, right? Just win one game at a time. You win four, then you worry about game five. Win five, you win game six. Once you win game six, it's anybody's series. But really what happens inside the clubhouse when you're dealing with players and a manager and you're talking to your owner and you're talking to your general manager, you're talking to your manager, you really do talk about not the series. You don't talk about the fact that you're down 3 nothing. You don't show any sort of panic. You go in with the same swagger the Astros had going into game one when Carlos Correa was being cocky and we told him to be quiet. You go in with the same view that, listen, it's a 0-0 series. Let's win today. But then we sit down and we go over the lineup with Dusty Baker and we have to ask ourselves, are we starting Jose Altuve at second base today? The protocols with COVID say that you cannot get to a game except five hours in advance. If this were regular times, I would have Altuve coming for early work because I want balls hit to him nonstop pregame. And then I am holding my breath and crossing my fingers that the first hitter of the game will hit a ground ball to second base. When you've got the yips, there's two ways to approach it. One is by extra work. The other is exactly the, the opposite. It's no work. Instead of the old adage, get right back on the bicycle, get right back on the horse when you fall off. There's a train of thought that says, let him DH for a couple days. Let him get out of his head. We need his bat. We've, we're okay. We're covered in second base without him. We're going to be okay. So what am I doing as president of the Astros? It's pretty clear. I'm calling up our team psychologist. We had a very, we hired a, a, uh, someone named Jeff Fishbein back in 2000, first year with the Montreal Expos. He became our team psychologist and performance psychologist. Their role is twofold. Their role is to be a therapist off the court, off the field, talk about any issues. You know, the employee assistance program, the EAP program that you may have in your companies, it's called the employee assist program. Well, we have that for our baseball team, for all the employees, uniform and non-uniform personnel. But we also have a psychologist who's available to the players, who's around, who develops and builds a relationship with the players, who all the way from the minor leagues up to the major leagues, they visit all the minor leagues uh, cities, all the minor league players. They're there for spring training. They're there during the season with the regular season players. And what these psychologists do is they build a relationship for times like this. So I am clearly going to my psychologist and saying, listen, go to Altuve and find out how bad it is. Because I'm not looking at analytics about whether to DH him today. I'm not looking at my manager to make a decision or my general manager. I'm asking my sports psychologist to make a decision. 
I want to know really what's going on with Altuve. And I'm going to ask whether the psychologist has a very deep, good relationship with Altuve. Because as a psychologist, some players buy into it, some players don't. But those who don't, we find another way to get to them from a performance standpoint. We may count on a family member. We may count on a teammate. We may count on a coach. We make sure that every player has someone associated, a non-player associated with that player in order to help that player when a performance crisis or a personal crisis happens. So let's say our psychologist has the relationship with Altuve. I want to know. Do we play him at second base? How serious are these yips? Is it not the yips? Did he not have a good grasp? Does he need rosin? Does he need a little pine tar, maybe a little Vaseline? Do we want to make sure that he takes the easy play and that he goes to first base on that play last night instead of trying to get the lead runner at second base? What can we tell Altuve to do, including DHing or putting him back out in the field, in order to take some pressure off him. Because the reality is that he has a lot of years left with us, speaking on behalf of the Astros. And if he gets the yips, there are people whose careers end because of that. Because it can bleed from the field to the plate. They've got to nip that in the bud. The Astros have 99 problems. Altuve's yips is clearly in the top five. But the number one issue the Astros face currently is the Tampa Bay Rays are a better team. Listen to yesterday's Nothing Personal. We went through a whole list of why those Rays are so good and how they do it and what they do. Although, of course, Coca may not, be, may not have been yesterday's show. I think it was, though. The Rays are a better team. What about the National League? Ay, ay, ay. Do you know how tight the Dodgers sphincters are right now? You can't even shine a flashlight through them. They're down 2 nothing to the Braves. Everyone's saying, all the big fans, the MLB executives who want the Dodgers in the World Series. Andrew Friedman, president of baseball operations. He knows better, but I know that he's deluding himself because they came back in the ninth inning, a moral victory. They were down 8-3 going into the ninth. They were down 7 nothing in the seventh in this game, too, against the Braves. But guess what, folks? They scored seven runs, including four in the last inning. They got the tying run to the plate in the form of A.J. Pollock. And everyone called it a moral victory. That's my view of a moral victory. If I could stick my hand under my armpit and make that noise that I did when I used to be a kid, I'm actually going to try it. I don't think I can still do it, but I'm going to try it. Ready? Oh, I can that's a moral victory. I don't know if you could hear that on the microphone. If you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate it. Moral victories are something that fans talk about. When you're an executive of a team, you couldn't give a flying rat's ass about a moral victory. Literally not one. So you think they went into the Dodgers clubhouse and they were all good? They're great. When we were talking about the show, Coca begged me to mention Beyonce and Jay-Z, so I'm going to. Jay-Z has a great quote about moral victories, and we knew that we'd be talking about moral victories because I can't stand them. Jay-Z said moral victories are for minor league coaches. I don't agree, Coca. I put it in the show for you. You know why? Because today's a big day. There are no moral victories. 
The Dodgers are down 2 nothing to the Braves. The Braves are hitting. The Braves are playing defense. The Braves are pitching. They had a few bullpen hiccups, but they didn't even use their best bullpen arms. They had to bring in Mark Melanson, their closer, to get an out, which he did, which they didn't want to do. That's a moral victory for the Dodgers. They had to get the closer for the Braves to pitch two days in a row. (laughs) Can you imagine Major League Baseball right now for one second, please? Just one second. The World Series in 2020 between the Atlanta Braves and the Tampa Bay Rays was watched by fewer people than those who watched the NBA Finals. The Braves-Rays matchup would be the least desirable matchup. The only thing worse than a Braves-Rays matchup is a Braves-Rays victory in the league championship series in a total of eight games. There can be a total of 14 games in the LCS. You do the math, seven and seven. If there are two sweeps, that is six fewer games that those networks want, Fox and TBS. It is... looking like a nightmare. Well, we'll see what happens. I got a uh, nothing personal pick of the day. And my pick of the day is based on the fact that I can't get any games right at the moment. I'm trying to decide if I believe that the Dodgers are lying to me, which they are when they say they think Clayton Kershaw could be ready for game four. Those would have to be some very quick back spasms. And if I'm the Dodgers and I'm down 3 nothing, and I lose tonight to go down 3 nothing, am I really bringing back Kershaw early from back spasms to have him pitch when we're down 3 nothing? Of course, because they can come back and win because Dave Roberts is going to say we had a moral victory in game two. Dave Roberts is going to say I was a part of a team that won four in a row back in 2004. We can do it. If Kershaw really had back spasms, what the hell was he doing in the dugout yesterday's game? Did you see that, Coca? Right in the dugout. He's leaning against the rail. I lost my mind. I wanted to call the team trainer. Why isn't he getting work done? Why isn't he in a position that's a little more comfortable than leaning against the rail in the dugout? You ever leaned against a rail in the dugout? It's not great. It's being all jocular and jovial. There's nothing jocular and jovial going on in Dodger town today. But we're 26 and 20 because we lost both. The Dodgers lost. The Astros lost. 0 and 2. I'm only up six now, 26 and 20. I'm going to pick two games again today. And you know what? The trend's my friend. I'm going with the Braves and the Rays. I'm going with the teams who have won. I picked against the Braves and Rays, but they have shown me over the past five games total. They're just better teams. And anytime you have a chance to go with the better teams, do it. Two picks on this special day. Braves raise. Let's stick with baseball, Coca, and let's celebrate today with something that happened that to me was pretty interesting. Give me some audio, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Today's October 14, 2020, and if you want to talk to Samson, you've had a year to do it. It's a segment that we do based on the movie called Half-Baked. 
where people want to talk to a character named Samson. You get into Twitter at David P. Samson or Instagram at David P. Samson. Please follow and then ask a question. And I'm going to answer as many as I can in this segment. We try to cover it each show. Hal Steinbrenner is the owner of the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees, who had, to me, the most disappointing season of any team, several years in a row. They spend money. You can't blame them for that. But they have not won a World Series since 09. They haven't been to the World Series since 09. It's the longest stretch without going to the World Series. Last decade, from 10 to 20, I guess decades are 10 to 19, Coca. That is the first decade, like in 60 years, they hadn't gone to the World Series. So Hal Steinbrenner took it on the chin, and he gave an interview yesterday. And someone listened to the interview and said, can you discuss on Nothing Personal what Hal actually meant during his interview? I chose this because I wanted to talk about the interview. The question is not as clear as I would like, but I appreciate you taking the time to ask it and to get into Twitter. But which part? So let's talk about the things he talked about, he spoke about. And let's talk about what I think he said. Actually, it's the only thing I know is what he said. But I can talk to you about what I think he meant to say and what he purposefully left out. So when owners give interviews, they're very clear to do the following. The good owners take responsibility as the man or woman or person of last defense. So the best owners or the best team presidents stand up and they say, we lost and that's on me. Something went wrong. That's my fault. There was cheating going on. That means that I cheated. There was garbage cans. There was lack of performance. There were buzzers. There was, there were injuries. Whatever the case is, I'm not throwing the manager under the bus. I may fire the manager, but I'm not throwing him under the bus. Injuries may fire the trainer, not throwing the trainers under the bus. Well, the Yankees have had injuries. The Yankees have had lack of performance. The Yankees have gotten rid of managers. They got rid of Joe Girardi, who went to Philadelphia and failed. Brought in Aaron Boone, who's the first manager, I believe, to win 100 games in his first two years each year of managing. I think this was his third year. He's been a hugely successful regular season manager and not a successful playoff manager. Hal Steinbrenner took the microphone and said, it's on me. I'm the man ultimately responsible. I'm the one who decides how much money is spent, where the money is spent, how the money is allocated, and it's not going right for the Yankees. We have expectations not to make the playoffs. We have expectations to make the World Series. With the team that we have, we need to be in the World Series or it's a failure. He talked about the game two decision to go with an opener in Garcia and then pitch Jay Happ. The decision that we talked about are nothing personal. And he said Aaron Boone was okay with that decision. Cashman was on board with that decision. There are other teams who have done it. I was on board with that decision. You want to know more about it? Speak to Cash. That's what he called Cashman. I found that to be interesting because there is zero chance that Hal Steinbrenner did not have the final say in whether Garcia was going to open and then they were going to go to J-Hap. 
It's not something that Cashman went to Boone and said, we're doing. Cashman said he wanted to do it, then went to the owner. Steinbrenner had to agree to it. Then he went to Boone and said, Boone, we're doing it. It's not as though Boone would would be able to say as the manager, hey, I don't agree with that. I don't think we should do that. No. The front office is telling the manager exactly who's starting and for how long and when the second pitcher will come in and who that second pitcher will be. Hal Steinbrenner then went on to talk about his offense. He didn't go as far as he could have gone because he caught himself. He was about to mention names and didn't. He acknowledged that what he didn't like about his Yankee team is he found it distressing that the offense was so inconsistent. He spoke like a fan. He said, I never knew what I was going to get. I didn't know if we'd score 10 runs or two runs. We had injuries, but everyone has injuries. We had inconsistent performance from our offense. Who's he talking about? Gary Sanchez? Yeah. Giancarlo Stanton? Yeah. Judge? Yeah. Andujar? Yeah. Torres? Yeah. Who wasn't he talking about? The reason why the Yankees are 11 and 10 in the postseason over the last three postseasons, a 500 team is their lack of consistency and their inability to have any sort of pitching depth. They plugged a hole with Garrett Cole, which, by the way, made Hal Steinbrenner not happy spending 324 on Cole and not getting performance this year in terms of team advancement in the playoffs. I find it interesting that the playoffs were being, that the offense was being blamed because they're married to Stanton for a long time. He, he's going to pick up the option on his seven-year contract that's remaining. But I would tell you that there's going to be some changes in New York. Here's where the changes are going to happen if you're the owner, and here's where they have to happen. Brian Cashman has a year left on his contract. I'm going to give you a wait to see right now, and it's going to be a pretty clear one. Brian Cashman will not be the general manager of the New York Yankees after 2021. They're going to move on from Cashman. The caveat I'll give you is if they win the World Series next year, but they're not going to. The reality is they're going to have to make significant changes. They know they've got Stanton long-term. They know they've got Cole long-term. There's a chance Severino can come back from his Tommy John. They're going to have to move on from Gary Sanchez. He's just not good enough. When you are not starting Gary Sanchez in, the, in a playoff series that you lose, you move on. You're not going to pay him. They've got to figure out Clint Frazier. They've got to decide if they're bringing back Gardner because of emotion. They've got to decide if they should trade Andujar because now they're two years too late. The Tampa Rays would have traded Andujar two years ago at his height. There will be changes to the team. There will be an acknowledgement by Hal Steinbrenner that Aaron Boone is not the issue. He went so far as to say that Aaron Boone will be back. That's not a surprise. Brian Cashman will be back in 2021. That won't be a surprise. But wait to see. Cashman's tenure will end. They've got DJ LeMahieu to figure out, and they're going to be suckers, and they're going to sign him to a long-term deal, and they're going to pay for that. LeMahieu's been their best player. They signed him to a very reasonable two-year, $24 million deal. 
he now wants four years at 100? Mark my words here, Coca. If the Yankees sign LeMahieu to a four-year deal with an AAV at 20 or above, they will not win a World Series during LeMahieu's four years. That's how serious I am about not signing a guy because of his past performance. You've got to look to future performance the way the Rays do. Stop paying for past performance just because you have the money. Hal Steinbrenner, I give him a lot of credit for taking the microphone, going on a show, talking about the failings of the team. But it's no longer an issue of just throwing money at it. It's an issue that the exact way the Yankees do business on and off the field is clearly not working. Changes, they are a coming, Coca. How close to home are they going to hit? Hmm. All right. One of the great things we do here on Nothing Personal that I enjoy, I love watching movies. I love watching TV shows. We're going to take a break. Please come back after the break. I love when listeners and viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Please. It's a channel we have. Download our podcast. Press subscribe. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. You've done that. We've grown this show. We'll talk about that later in the show. We're going to talk about the Premier League later in the show. But when we come back, we're going to review a movie that was suggested by one of Nothing Personal's listeners. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Today's October 14th, 2020. A great day on the calendar. So I watch a movie every day or a TV show series. We review one and I love your suggestions. I put them on a list. I can't get to all of them. I try, but I don't. I do try, but there's not enough time in the, in the day, even though I don't sleep much. Believe me, I don't sleep much. October's the worst. I slept last night a couple hours, woke up, did a long run back with you back on CBS Sports HQ after the games today the LCS games, but I did watch a movie called Crip Camp. It's on Netflix. It was suggested by a listener, and I want to take a minute to talk about it. And it's going to take a little bit of a serious tone in that I've tried my whole life to not be prejudiced. I have tried to be inclusive. I've tried to be tolerant 
there have been examples in my life where I haven't been and I remember them. I think about them. I've made, there was a girl in elementary school who I made fun of because she was fat. Her initials were MS. I'm not going to give her name. I've never forgotten her name. I haven't spoken to her or seen her in, I'd have to say, 40 years. But I think about her all the time, about what a disgusting person I was when I was being made fun of all the time for my height, and I would react by making fun of someone for their weight. It's disgraceful. I didn't have much experience with handicapped people. The school I went to, at camp, there was a handicapped girl. Her initials are TF. May she rest in peace. But I remember thinking she wasn't normal, and I didn't treat her normally. And I don't know why, other than to say that my view of the world is that if you're not going to be like me or look like me or act like me, then I can't be the problem. You've got to be the problem. I was unwilling to look inside myself and say, no, no, you've got it wrong. You're the issue, David. I've spent a lot of my life trying to make up for that with the charitable work I've done, with the organizations I've been a part of, the boards I've served on, as I've tried to evolve and learn about what it is to be a more complete person, what it is to be tolerant of not just race, but of of people who think differently, people who look differently, people who act differently. What makes me think that the way I look and act is the right way? Crip Camp is about a camp And summer camp for me was really the most important experience I've had in my life. Went to a camp called Camp Interlock in Eagle River, Wisconsin. It truly informed who I am today. It made me who I am today. It helped lay a foundation. Maybe not necessarily while I was there where I wasn't a perfect camper by any stretch. This movie called Crip Camp is about a camp in Lake George, New York, which was a camp for handicapped people, people in wheelchairs, people with polio, people with spina bifida, people who you couldn't understand when they talked, people who when you go into a room, you're uncomfortable because they're so handicapped that you don't know how to deal with them. You don't know what to say if you don't have experience. And this is a camp where they were allowed to be themselves without judgment, without people like me there. At a young age, it is with people like me now who were there. I laughed at this movie. I cried at this movie. And that is not an exaggeration. That is exactly how I felt. I had tears going down because. Because for the first time, what these kids said. And there was video. They took video all throughout this camp. And it's it's from 50 years ago. The video. These kids said for the first time in their lives, they weren't different. They were looked at as though they were exactly normal. There was no judgment. And it took someone to start a camp. And it took someone to take the time to want to make someone else's life better, not with money, 
but with experience and self-worth. If you can give someone self-worth and make someone feel that they're a part of a team and make them a part of a team, you've done more for leaving a legacy than any possible other thing you could do. They interview the kids who are at that camp who are now adults. The movie talks about what these handicapped people did to get equal rights. Do you know, we've talked so much this year about systemic racism, racial inequality. Do you know that handicap rights did not exist? We talk about the American with Disabilities Act. And do you know what I used to think to myself? That that act was something that was going to cost us money as we were building a ballpark because we had to make it completely handicap accessible. And that's after I'd evolved and become a better person. And this was in 2009. I'm 41 years old. And I'm thinking to myself, all of the ramps and lifts I have to put in are going to endanger the budget. What an absolute jackass I was. I'm sorry. I really am. I promise I will be better. I am better and I will keep getting better. Wouldn't it be great if everyone could make that promise? Everyone could agree that they're not perfect. Everyone could acknowledge that they have biases that are in that are inside them that they want to change. Take a look at Crip Camp and do me a favor. No matter what your view is of the world, no matter what your view is of yourself, watch this movie and give yourself a chance to be part of the change. Crip Camp, it's on Netflix. Thank you for the recommendation. Thank you. Okay. That was an emotional one, Coca. It was a tough watch. You know, it wasn't that emotional for me. Was watching Le'Veon Bell get released. Everyone's talking about this. Who gives a crap? Le'Veon Bell stinks. He was signed to this huge contract, free agent contract. He played for the Jets. He and the coach, Adam Gase, hated each other. He was there 19 months. Gase never wanted him. They tried to trade him. They couldn't trade him. He got released yesterday. Breaking news. Le'Veon Bell's released. We talked about this guy so much on Nothing Personal. I wasn't going to mention it today. But of course I had to because the Jets put out a statement that turned my stomach. Literally gave me a cramp. Although it made me smile too because I knew we had a segment on Nothing Personal. Can I read you the Jet statement, please? May I? After having conversations with Le'Veon, Le'Veon, let me start that again, Coco. I'll get it right. I'll get it right. After having conversations with Le'Veon and his agent and exploring potential trade options over the past couple of days, we have made the decision to release Le'Veon couple things about that statement. Just the first sentence, we'll get to the rest. Number one, they've been trying to trade him for a year. Let's start with that. It's not that they just started trying to trade him a few days ago. Whatever options there were a few days ago, 
if someone had been willing to trade a ball of a bag of footballs and a 70th round pick and there was any sort of cap savings over a release, you make that trade. Two, this whole bull crap and horse hockey that teams say, we've been in touch with the agent. We've had conversations about exploring trade options. We're allowing the agent to try to seek a trade. They do that in the NBA, they claim. It's BS. They don't do that. What do you think? If I'm a GM of a team, when I would get a call as president of a team, and the call would be from an agent of a player I don't have, and the agent would call and say, hey, I think, I'm not sure, but I think the Yankees would be willing to talk about Andujar. I know I represent him, but I just want to say that I think that if you called Randy Levine, president of the Yankees, you may be able to get traction if you're looking for Andujar. Are you looking for Andujar? I say to his agent, see ya. (laughs) Click. Agents calling up GMs trying to trade their own players. Give me a small break. And I'm not calling the agent of a player when I'm about to release him or trade him. Forget it. Bell doesn't deserve that. I think he made like $30,000 per rushing yard or something, Coca told me before the show. The statement continues. The Jets organization appreciates Leveon's efforts during his time here. And we know he worked hard to make significant contributions to this team. Bullshit. We believe this decision is in the best interest of both parties and wish him future success. The Jets are an absolute joke. I'm sorry. Woody Johnson, you're in the UK. I'd start driving on the right side of the road right now because do something different. Chris Johnson, I don't know what your story is with Adam Gase. I don't know if you're friends. I don't know if you're countrymen, Romans. I don't know what you are. But whatever you're doing, running the team for your bro, it's not working. And letting your GM make a statement. Do you have PR people? Do they exist? We believe this decision is in the best interest of both parties. I don't give one crap if it's in the best interest of a player. And this is not me being pro-management. Imagine you work for your company and they let you go. Or let's take a better one. I got a better one for you. You're working for your company and you're under contract and they decide that they're not going to extend your contract. You're going to start going month to month at the same rate. You're not going to get a bonus. And what your boss says to you is, we really think this is in the best interest of, of both of us. You tell them to screw off. In sports, releasing Bell, yeah, it actually is in the best interest of Bell because he wanted out. And Bell gave you a prayer emoji in his Twitter because he was so happy to be released from the prison that is the Jets organization. But you're going to say that you did it in the best interest of that player who has shown you not one ounce of loyalty, not one. He's made a significant contribution to the team. What exactly was his significant contribution to the team? You know what I want? I want 
the statement to read like this. The New York Jets have announced today that they have released Le'Veon Bell. That is a free agent sign that did not work out for anyone but Le'Veon Bell. That's a statement. It didn't work. We own it. We thought it would work. It didn't work. Significant contribution. Give me a small break. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about something going on in the Premier League. But, Coke, I, don't, I, I really need to get to another topic as well. But here we go. I told you I'd talk about the Premier League. The Premier League is obviously the league. Liverpool, Man U, most popular league in the world. It makes the NFL look like Major League Baseball. That's how big it is. Well, word's gotten out that there's a bit of a situation going on. There's a guy named Greg Clark. Greg Clark is the chairman of the Football Association. And he went public with something that's going on behind the scenes in the Premier League that blew my mind. And I want to explain it to you briefly and tell you how great it is. There's a team called Manchester United in the Premier League. They're owned by the Glazers, the Glazer family. There's a team called Liverpool. We talked about them yesterday. They're in the Premier League. They're owned by Fenway Sports Group, which is John Henry and Tom Warner. We talked about them yesterday. It turns out that the top teams of the Premier League, you know, there's something called relegation where the bottom of the team in the Premier League gets sent down to the minor leagues. Basically, it's a huge deal to stay above relegation. It's something I've talked about on shows before that relegation would be a great idea in other professional sports. That's one way to get teams incentivized to win. But what the bigger teams, the big market teams are doing in the Premier League is they're trying to take over. And they're using their money as a sword, not a shield. What they're trying to do is say that the six top teams, which are Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea, will basically be in charge of the Premier League. That they will, instead of dealing with a commissioner, the way these American owners have to deal with commissioners or the Glazers have to deal with Goodell or Manford, they don't want to deal with anyone but themselves. They want to transform all power to those six teams. They're willing to spend money to do it. They announced that they're going to give a gift of 100 million euros, 100 million pounds, which is $130 million, let's say. And they're going to give it to the governing body of the Premier League and of the Football Association in order to make up for some of the COVID-related losses. Give me a break. Anytime you're offered a bribe like that in order to give someone more power, don't Take the money, no matter how desperate you are. You give up power, you can never get it back. You can always find a way to get money. You cut expenses, you go bankrupt, you do whatever you have to do to start again. Do not hand power to people who don't give a crap about the little people. Don't do it. That's like in baseball, if all of a sudden the commissioner decided that the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Cardinals all had two votes the Marlins, the Rays, the Indians, the Royals all had one vote. 
You know how well that would go? It wouldn't happen. That's why in baseball, you need 23 votes to get anything done. Because I could always put together eight low revenue teams to block 23 high revenue teams from imposing any sort of financial or competitive rules that would inure to their benefit and not ours. I give John Henry credit. I give the Glazer family credit. They're on a major power grab. Guess what? It's not going to work. And Greg Clark had the quote. He said, there is more to our game than economics. Change must benefit clubs, fans, and players, not just selective balance sheets. In these difficult times, unity, transparency, and common purpose must override the interests of the few. Think about that quote and apply it to our presidential race. Apply it to what's going on politically in this country, to what's going on economically in this country. Let it inform your actions on a daily basis. There is more to our game than economics. Change must benefit clubs, fans, and players. Do you know the fans, the supporters of Man U and of Liverpool don't even support this power grab by the owners of those clubs? In these difficult times, unity, transparency, and common purpose must override the interests of the few. We've talked about nothing personal. That's a John Stuart Mill quote, the greater good theory. What's good for the most people is what governs. It's going to be interesting, but it says here that this power grab by the power six is going to go. Well, it's October 14th, ladies and gentlemen, fans of nothing personal listeners. It's been a year. It's our anniversary today. Last October 14th was show number one. Since then, God, a lot's happened. The world's changed in a year. This show's changed. It's grown because of you. I want to thank CBS for the opportunity. Without them, nothing personal wouldn't have happened. From Port to EK and everyone who has helped. The videos you see on Twitter done by Greg. The sit-downs and the mailbag episodes helped by Mikey. And of course, Coca, the producer. The real Coca. He and I have changed so much over the year and we have grown as a show. But there is one thing that I promise you as we head into year two of Nothing Personal. It will continue to evolve. It will continue to inform. It will continue to educate. I'll continue to talk about things that other people don't want to talk about. I'll continue to give you insight into things that other people won't. My commitment is to you, the listener. My commitment is to you, the viewer, you, the audience. We're going to keep growing this. And Coca and I will keep working as hard as we do to make sure that every single day, every single day, you take from this 45-minute show something that makes you smarter, makes you better, makes you willing to look at things from different perspectives. But remember, at the end of the day, you know one thing will always be true. 
And I admit it. I wear it. I acknowledge it. And I love it. Because it's always business. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com